Welcome to Chew the Fat with Dan and Matt. This is your fortnightly podcast where we look at everything in pop culture, some awesome science, we go round the grounds in sport, throw in a true story or two, have a good laugh and look out for a wicked quiz. Stay tuned. Welcome everybody to episode four in today's podcast. We're going to start off with They Said What, where we look at what you said about what we said in Wild Kingdom. We are looking at mythical beasts of legend today. So some of those crazy animals that we don't know, were they real or were they not? In pop culture, we're having a Mount Rushmore of WWF wrestlers from the 80s and 90s. Some seriously iconic, legendary figures that you would have heard of. And of course, we're going to finish with a wicked quiz. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Let's kick it off with... (gasps) They say what? All right, welcome everyone. Very excited to be back for episode four after our Halloween experience. Hope you all had a good Halloween. Uh, Bro, how's things with you? Hi, Dan. How are you going? Great to be back on board. Yes, it is generally a fortnightly podcast released on a weekend, Sunday normally. Hit us with an email at chewthefat with Dan and Matt at gmail.com. Did you get any feedback, bro? Yeah, yeah, I did actually. I got. But someone told me, you know, Matt, you did actually have a scary incident that you, you told me about once. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, remember that time? It was when I was staying with uh, with you, Dan. I came down from Broom or Exmouth and, and you were living at Circe Circle, you remember? Sure. With uh, garden celebrity Josh Burns. Yes, we'll have to get young Trouser on for an uh, interview one day. I think he's still angry I broke his bongo drums. But... <laughs> anyway, we're living there. And I went out with my mates uh, – to Stan's house. Shout out to Stan. I know you're a big listener. You remember this night, Stan. And we went all the way to your house and you're living in South Perth. We went to the Como and we're drinking and playing pool. And it was one of those nights, you know, and I'm not exaggerating and I am prone to exaggeration, but not this time. And I, my A game was on in pool. Like I was just like bang, 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 shooting box pockets left to right, spin shots. I even did a jump shot, landed it. Just couldn't couldn't get off the table basically every game. And Stan had a couple of sheilas there with him. I don't know where he got them from, but you know there was one that was quite tidy. And uh, you know she was well impressed by Matt's uh, pool game. Just uh, for those listeners who aren't uh, sixty plus, a sheila is a female. <clears throat> yeah, a chick. And uh, anyway, she, I could see that it was. Uh, how can I say? I was on a radar anyway. Like it was looking good. And Stan's going, okay, I've had enough of you flogging us all night, Matt. Let's all go back to my house. And so we left the pub and uh, we're wandering back to Stan's house. Anyway, when I was halfway back, I thought, oh, sheesh, I left my jacket, you know, and it was my um, my famous black suede jacket. It was uh, probably another reason the girl was interested. And I left it at the pub, you know, and so I said, oh, I'll be back. I'll just run back and get my jacket. I can't leave it. So I ran back, got the jacket. Anyway, they kept walking and I didn't know what street, which street to go down. So I wandered the streets of South Perth for about, you know, an hour or something. Could not find the street. Total tragedy. Girl gagging for it. I'm on, on fire this night. Like, you know, we'd have mobile phones in those days. Didn't know Stan's number was anyways. Couldn't ring him up anyhow. So had just got home. I was prone in those days not to catch taxis, but actually run home, which was my thing. And uh, I did that from South Perth all the way to uh, where was with Circe Circle, Netherlands. Okay. Only wondering where this scary thing comes in. It's a pretty long story, mainly about me talking myself up about chicks. But I'm jogging back. 
and it's quite a warm night. I just got, I've taken my shirt off and I'm just jogging down Mounts Bay Road and a van pulls up and this guy's there, skinny looking dude in his van. You want a lift in the, I'll give you a lift down. And I went, oh yeah, all right. So I jump around, put my shirt back on, jump in the car and he's going, where are you going? Oh, just down here in Netherlands. I'm just staying at my brother's house. Big van, really weird. You know, just two seats at the front and all empty at the back. Driving along a bit further, and suddenly this chick pops her head out between the two seats, like this uh, kind of middle-aged woman, you know, like, and this guy, and I'm like, whoa, that's weird. She's in the back, and, and there's a spare seat at the front. Oh, yeah, kind of, where do you want to go? We'll, we'll take you there. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just, just up here, just at these lights. Yeah, so we got towards uni. I'll just get out here. This will be fine. No, no, we'll take you to your house. Come to Where you want to go? I'm good here, and the lights went red, luckily for me. And I said, I'm going to go. He goes, before you go, you've got to give, give the missus a kiss. What? I just, you just got to give a quick kiss. So I, don't know what I was thinking. I guess a few pints under my belt, turned around. She locks it on me, full tongue, ah, in between the seats. She's got her head through there, kissing me. And I'm like, Jesus. And then I'm going to break it off. Say, okay, thanks. He struggle for the door and jump out and run off. I get back to your house. You guys are all passed out of the place. And I didn't think much of it. Anyway, later, see a photo of this guy, David Burney. And that was Kathleen Burney in the back of the car. Serial killers that were through that whole area, like, for uh, several years. That was a pretty scary incident, but I didn't realise it was so scary and I got out. Something in, in me knew it was not a good situation. Wow, that's um, that's chills. Yeah, I remember you telling me that, but uh, what a night. would have gone from hero to torture slave. That's horrendous. Yeah, there would have been a lot of near misses uh, with those two because, obviously, they were honing their craft, if you want to call it that. Talking of murder, bro, your um, murder bird. I really enjoyed that last week, your story of the murder bird, otherwise yeah. known as... Cassowary. Cassowary. I, I was thinking you should, that should be a movie, surely, Murder Bird, and that's the name of the movie, Murder Bird. You've got to make a movie like that. I'd like to give a shout-out to Abigail particularly Abigail and her little sister Charlotte. Abigail is a big fan and listens to us. I think your dulcet tones, bro, help her sleep at night. Shout out to Abigail. Just going back to last week's episode, we were talking about, there's a few things I have to clear up. Uh, The movie I was talking about that's quite scary, Paranormal Activity was the movie, Paranormal Activity. They got worse and worse. I think they made lots of them. But the first one was quite creepy. A group of bats, bro, I I went and did the homework on that. Not a coffin. You thought it was a coven, I thought. You said, oh, no, coffin. It's actually a colony. So colony of bats, pretty boring. I could have done better than that one. But something big I discovered doing post-research rather than pre-research, The Thing by John Carpenter was actually, John Carpenter was a big fan of Howard Hawks, who was an early movie maker in the 1950s. I thought he was the Prime Minister of Australia. John Howard and Bob Hawke combined to make Howard Hawks. Howard Hawks actually made a movie called The Thing from Another World, uh, which is the thing, the story, except it had a happy ending. These um, guys out at Arctic Station defeat a monster from outer space, and it has a happy ending. John Carpenter loved it and finally got the opportunity to make a feature film. He twisted it around a bit, and, and I kind of bagged the special effects a bit, but for its time, that movie was revolutionary as far as special effects go. Bro? I also uh, looked back at a few things that uh- – I mentioned a uh, artist who specialised in the Alien, because that was one of your movies you chose, Alien, the Xenomorphs. It was H.R. Geiger, and he uh, he's this crazy artist who, who basically created the Xenomorphs. And, you know, you go back, Google his artwork, it's uh, creepy, disgusting stuff, you know, it all. Heads are like a, a, an aubergine, aren't they, with teeth, and they're like, Bleh. Yeah. 
So it's kind of like biomechanics, isn't it? It's kind of like mixing mechanics and life forms. Quite gross. I have to finish with a little uh, victory, bro. The uh, reptiles, the reptiles thing. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Before you say that, I looked at this as well. Of course I knew you would. And i got to concede that not all reptiles can replace their, their limbs. Some can. Some reptiles cannot. I was kind of right, but geckos and iguanas can, but crocodiles, snakes, which don't have any limbs, and turtles can't. David Attenborough, quote, reptiles, chelonians, crocodilians, and snakes are unable to regenerate lost parts. So, And what's a chelonian? She's so smart. I think they drop their tail or something. Is a chelonian um, like a chameleon, that sort of, or a turtle? Turtle. I'll give you a turtle. Oof. Okay, turtles. Phew. And that was... <gasps> they say what? Bull! Time to explore... Wild Kingdom! <laughs> All right, let's get into Wild Kingdom. I'm excited this week, Dan, because last week, you know, we did the horror animals, and uh, it got me thinking, like, some of these animals are almost unbelievable. Like, you know, cassowary, like you've mentioned, the murder bird. And uh, what was that one with the long finger you had? The car car or something? Aye, aye. Aye, aye. It's just almost too hard to believe that actual things, you know, let alone a platypus, which they wouldn't believe was even a real animal for a long time. That someone had sewed a, duck, a duck's bill onto a uh, beaver or something like that. Got me thinking that we need to do a segment on legendary or mythical creatures, right? I know, like, I've run this by you, and we've both, like, unearthed a uh, plethora of material that's just gold. It's just good stuff, don't you reckon? Yeah, I'm stoked you came up with this. It's a really good idea, and there's, like, major backstories, especially in ancient cultures. Very exciting. Yeah, well, my my one's a bit more um, Australian beasts mainly, and uh, they're not have the huge stories that, that Greek and Roman and those sort of beasts do, but uh, let's get straight into it with my number one of my legendary creatures of Wild Kingdom is the hoop snake. Now, I think that everyone would have heard about the hoop snake. They're allegedly from Australia, Canada, and the United States. After doing a bit of research, I found that they're not only in Australia. There's legend of them in America as well and Canada. They have a callous tail, right? And so they swing around and bite onto their own tail, and then they roll after their prey. Now, they're not venomous. If you get bitten by one, you apparently get very sick. To humans, they're not venomous. When when they're rolling, they can get up to 60 kilometres per hour, which is pretty fast, you know, coming down down the hill across the flat ground, I guess, you know, one of these guys, or maybe like a a little herd of them. What's a collective group of hoop snakes called, Dan, since you're a smart-ass about it? I would think snakes is a pit, a pit of snakes, surely. Or, no, not a venomous snakes, pit. How about a ring? So it's like a jewelry box full, you know, like a jewelry box. <laughs> now they come in brown or olive grey colour apparently. Sometimes hide behind trees, come rolling out, get you basic. But I always thought that hoop snakes kind of like t- tangled you up your legs, you know, like uh, as they rolled after you. But apparently they go fast, roll up, and then they just launch themselves at the back of the roll like a spear and spear right into you. So they roll along and then spring out, latch on. 60k an hour. That's a nightmare. Yeah, you got one of them and a murder bird after you, you'd be trouble. That's all over. Okay, nice one. Nice start, bro. My first one is the centaur. 
So I'm going a little bit more ancient times. Originated in ancient Greece. Uh, so we've all seen those, part man, part horse. They originated in from Pelion in Magnesia, central Greece. Um, the thing about the centaur is they're stuck between two worlds. They're conflicted. It's half wild beast, half civilized human being. So they were really torn, these uh, creatures. Normally rowdy and barbaric, uh, you know, warriors prone to heavy drinking, womanizing, uh, primal excesses generally, just like full-on chaos. There are actually female uh, centaurs called centaurides. They are less uh, known about them, bro. So wait, wait. They are like bungled on human women, or or just other female centaurs. Oh, I think they pretty much do anything, bro. They were prone to primal excesses, so they they were like sailors after a long voyage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what they did, they were chaos. So yeah, they do whatever they could to whoever they could. Um, the exception, Chiron. Chiron, who was the, you know, uh, Sagittarius, how it's a star sign in the shape of a, a centaur. That's mm-hmm. Chiron, who was a gifted healer and actually a respected intellectual. Um, he changed into a centaur, chose to be half horse, but to escape his jealous wife. Uh, so he's one of the exceptions to the, to the barbaric rule. He's a nerd centaur, basically. <laughs> Correct. There's one in every group, isn't there? Uh, they were hunted by Her- Heracles. Heracles. Sorry to those Greek uh, fans out there, ancient Greek. I'm going to mispronounce some of this stuff. He's the son of Zeus, though, Heracles, and he um, he would hunt them for fun. That's where That was their major enemy, Heracles. Uh, the history of them is quite interesting. This is where I found it got really interesting. So Zeus took in Ixion, if that's how you pronounce it, because he was a bit lost and uh, wayward. So Zeus took him in, and he started lusting after Hera, the queen of the gods, Zeus's wife. And Zeus started to get quite uh, jack of this. He saw it and didn't like it and couldn't believe Ixion would be so rude as to come into his house and start lusting after his wife. So he played a little trick on um, Ixion. He created a cloud image of Hera and he put it next to him while he was asleep. And when he woke up, so Zeus is watching all this, Ixion thought she was naked next to him and tried to have sex with her. Um, of course, but it was so, a cloud. But it was a cloud. Uh, later, that cloud became a creature called Nephili. Zeus was very angry and struck Ixion with a thunderbolt and tied him to a flying, burning wheel for the rest of eternity, which he had to spin through um, yeah. space on. If you try to bang the, the king's wife, then uh, you're going to get that, aren't you? Like, especially. What happened exactly. to the cloud girl? Yeah, ne- ne- Nephili or Nephili. Oh, it would be Nephili, wouldn't it? She um, was pregnant from that whole ridiculous incident and gave birth to Centaurus. This is where we get into our story. He was a deformed, hunched over child, shunned by all humans. So the only place he felt uh, calm and welcome was a place called Pelion, which is in central Greece. And there he uh, befriended Magnesian mares and mated with them. And the offspring, of course, bore kingdom of the uh, centaur. So, yeah, a bit of a love tryst and, um, you know, exclusion led to this centaur. So I guess that's where they had their unruly, barbaric behavior. They're kind of unwanted offspring that were shunned and um, their history is all of shame and um, disappointment. (laughs) But don't mess with Zeus, yeah. But the centaur, yeah, cool animal. And, yeah, some female centaurs, not so much written about in ancient Greek uh, writings, but unruly, rowdy, barbaric warriors who are torn between uh, civilized and beastly behavior. The uh, 
the Heracles you mentioned, it's weird because, um, you know, like I get a lot of my mythology from uh, Marvel Comics. He's a, he's a Marvel character, was an Avenger even, Hercules, and they, they call him Heracles sometimes. He is the son of Zeus, of course. So is this Heracles a different Heracles? Well, that's a really good question. I Maybe it is just a different name for Hercules, is it? Yeah, maybe it's the uh, just a different name. Heracles sounds a bit more ancient Greek, doesn't it? Yeah, they have all different names that they twist around, you know, like, and they, over time they get changed to different things. But I could have been petty and brought it up in, they said, what, next week. You took the high ground there, bro, and credit for that. Um, you're right, that would be Hercules, yeah. So thanks for that pickup. Yeah, I can imagine Hercules going around like just slaying these um, poor centaurs for sport. That's the kind of thing he'd do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He was a bit of a uh, womanizer himself. Okay, so that was the centaur, mythical beast. Got a bit more, more, bit more backstory than a hoop snake, really. That's for sure. Yeah, and going into it, I could have just kept falling down this rabbit warren of different stories, the tangents. It was quite fascinating. Maybe I should have studied ancient Greece. It's quite quite interesting. Not too late, bro. Not too late. Not many jobs in that area, though. <laughs> my second uh, legendary creature is a bit more along the lines of my first one, the hoop snake. It's the drop bear. Now, I think it's a pretty popular one, the drop bear. People have heard of drop bears. They uh, are generally thought to be made up just to scare backpackers and tourists to come to Australia. From my research, you know, the, there's been several sightings and, you know, people believe they're out there. So apparently they have coarse orange hair with mottled black spots on them. They, they weigh up to 120 kilos, which is... Jeez. That's a big koala. They're 130 centimetres long. So, yeah, that's I didn't realise that's so huge. It's a bit more scary. The actual... Latin name is Thylactos plumatus. Oh, that's yeah, very clever. clever. <laughs> yeah, from the from the order plumatus. Yes, <laughs> they're very carnivorous, as everyone knows that. And uh, there's several ways, apparently, to uh, avoid drop bears. If you uh, and this has been um, sounds to me a little bit like uh, what some Aussie caravan park owner has told the backpackers: if they walk under the trees, be careful. And yet, apparently, if you put forks in your hair, plastic forks in your hair, <laughs> that will stop the drop bears coming down. Or you can rub rub vegemite up behind your armpits or behind your ears, and that will stop the drop bears too. So, that, yeah, careful at night, wandering around, 120 kilo beast with nasty claws and teeth will drop on your head. I can just see Barry and uh, Sharon from Peppermint Grove Caravan Park laughing there collective asses off as these tourists walk around with forks in their hair stinking of Vegemite. Do you think Grove. is it Yeah, okay, not Peppermint Grove. Maybe uh Pinjara. Now, do you think the bear, you know how our koala bear hates being called a bear because it's not a bear at all. It's more closely related to a wombat or a, to a marsupial. Is the drop bear a bear? Is it our first real bear or is it again like a marsupial that's been misnamed? Oh, no, it's a marsupial, definitely marsupial. Yeah, they've got a pouch. So we still don't have a bear in um, Australia. Fair enough. I, I can't remember being threatened with those as a kid. I've, I've certainly heard it. Too, too busy with more terrifying things. As uh, explained last episode, drop bears just wouldn't have cut it for me as a kid. I was used to psychopathic grandmas and floating uh, vampire brothers. Well, my next one is the Leviathans. The Leviathans are biblical 
So these are really early days. So biblical or pre-biblical monsters from ancient sort of Near East, Eastern mythologies, what I've sort of seen. Like uh, they come from the book of Job in the Old Testament, Hebrew, Jewish mythology, I think. One of really the, the first monsters in history ever. And um, here's, a, here's a bit of a quote from the Old Testament. I think, or the book of Job. Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down even at the sight of him? Of the fire-breathing, tortured serpent who will be killed at the end of time. So really, they're giant sea creatures. Uh, glowing eyes. They used to crush ocean-going humans and ships. They had enormous bodies, glowing eyes and scaly skin. Usually fish, but uh, commonly serpents, crocodiles, or even marine mammals. So there's a few variations. The word Leviathan just means giant sea monster, I think. It's not clear if it was created by God or Satan. So in early scriptures, not may have been God or Satan. My thought, of course, is that it's, it was created by men to stop other men going out to sea to discover the world. People didn't want people to discover the world. So perhaps they came up with these... Um, giant creatures that would destroy you if you dared sail across the ocean. Um, God, though, was thought to have, if he created them, stories that he created a male and a female, but then destroyed the female to protect the world and offered the Leviathan as food to the Hebrews who were in the wilderness. So he fed the Hebrews with a slain female Leviathan. I think that would be good feed in a Leviathan, probably uh... – be the masses, wouldn't it? Definitely, especially out in the wilderness. It's fish. You know, like I think, think that the Leviathan probably just a whale and that like, you know, the old drunken sailor, seafaring crazy man comes back and, hey, is this big as this? And they had fire coming out of its eyes. They just kind of embellish the story of this like, you know, really was, a whale would be probably pretty scary to see if you've ever seen one. Yeah, especially... Um, spouting water from its blowhole. Like you could easily, if your ship was sinking because it smashed into the hull, you could mistake that for a fire-breathing serpent, couldn't you? If you lost your whole ship and all people died, you want to come up with something pretty good that wrecked your ship, wouldn't you? Might as well add a few things on, a few horns. And I got a, I got a theory that, um, you know, dragons, how they're these kind of big, long, scaly creatures with wings and breathe fire. Probably the story got passed down and down and added on to it, but it is possible that there was some sort of brontosaurus or some sort of apatosaurus dinosaur creature that somehow survived longer than all the rest of the dinosaurs living up in some cave somewhere. And the story of some grandpa went there and had to fight this demonic creature. It's probably a herbivorous freaking dinosaur. Didn't want anything and he killed it and then like became this legendary guy and come back and oh, it had protecting the gold and it had you know red eyes and wings and breathe fire and it had you know spines and you know it's probably just herbivorous dinosaur. I just love how your hero of the story is a grandpa instead of a knight. <laughs> grandpa wanders into a cave. Yeah, I reckon you're right. Kids in my class are always saying the, the Meg is still real. It's like, come on, guys. Everyone wants the Meg or the Loch Ness Monster. So, yeah, at some stage, I guess, post-dinosaurs, uh, who knows? Maybe they're hanging in there somewhere. My next one. Now, these are like a unicorn of the sea, right? They're named Monodon Monocellus, and they have a 10-foot tusk growing from their bottom jaw right up their lip to their lip. 10-foot tusk. They're called a narwhale. Now, they're apparently closely related to orcas, 
There's about a thousand left still in the wild, but uh, I used to uh, hunt them down and and the, the Vikings and stuff, and they'd, they'd cut their horn off and they'd drink from their, their big horn. That's pretty amazing creature, if, if you ask me. They have poison stomach acid and apparently can cure epilepsy. That's just a side thing, yeah. So. The narwhal, what do you reckon of that one? Yeah, narwhal. Isn't, isn't narwhal like a scientifically... Aren't they still cruising the ocean? Or is this still slightly different to the narwhal? The whale with the big horn on its head? Mm-hmm. It's different. Unicorn of the sea. Unicorn of the sea. Uh, I uh, I chucked in narwhal there because it is a real creature. I was just surprised how freaky it was, and I thought that I might be able to slip that one past you as a mythical creature. Yeah, but no, they're real. You're too, you're too quick for me, Dan. That one is actually a real creature, the narwhal. I guess I think that gives a lot of credence to the uh, unicorn kids when they realise that that is an actual creature. Let me give you one that is actually mythical. This creature is called the jackalope, right? And it's like a kind of half jackrabbit, but it's got uh, antelope horns. You know, so a jackrabbit's a really big rabbit, strong, strong beast. Not like little pussy rabbits you see uh, hopping around the uh, kids' backyards. You know, those white ones. This one's jackrabbits are strong, sort of fast creatures and larger. The jackrabbits can actually get shoot papilloma, which is a virus, shoot papilloma virus. Probably a bit like uh, what's that virus rabbits get over here? Eczematosis. Ixomatosis, yeah, probably something like that. And anyway, they develop big tumors, and they can get tumors on their on their heads, and they, they end up looking like like antelope horns, you know, because they got some big lumpy head, and they're pretty fearsome because they go a bit crazy. So uh, that's maybe where the, the jackalope came from, jackrabbits with tumors. There's another theory, and I saw some photos of it that um, these smart aleck uh, American hunter dudes they get a top they, when they do their taxidermy, you know, they get a big jackrabbit, and they stick it up there, and then they whack a couple of horns in, it, in its uh, in its head and have its head mounted up there on the wall, you know, unsuspecting tourists. Uh, oh, my God, what is that? Jackalope, you got to be careful, you know, they'll hop, 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 wow, duck you with their horns. Jackalope people, look out for them. And where were they native to? Northern America, mainly, like Northern America, Canada, place like that. The home of the antler. Nice one, bro. The jackalope. I only did two today. I'd like to come back to this uh, Wild Kingdom segment in a later date with some more. I'm going to look at Pegasus Hydra. Yeah, possibly at a later date. But do you have any more? There's, there's so many. It's amazing. Can I give you one more? Yeah, sure. Okay. This one's called a Hodag. H-O-D-A-G. Hodag. It's a fearsome creature. It's uh, generally found around Rhinelander, Wisconsin. It's the head of a frog. It's got thick, short legs with claws, like fearsome claws. And it has a row of thick, sharp spines down its back. You know, if you imagine, I saw photos of it. It's got like these kind of curly spines. Like, like quill? No, thick, thick thing, like, you know, quite fat horns almost, you know, down its back. Like rhino horns all the way down its back. It has a long tail with spears at the end of its tail as well. Now, 1896, Eugene Shepard... He captured a hot arg in uh, Wisconsin. He went out. He went out with several bear wrestlers. Made up a team of bear wrestlers, which must have been sort of a uh, profession in the day. Eighteen ninety six. Got a team of bear wrestlers together, and they they went out and a hot arg was in a in a cave, and they got a big long stick and uh, they put some cloth with chloroform on the end of the cloth. And- <laughs> Hot Ag was in the cave. They wham the stick right into the cave, and the Hot Ag was overcome by the fumes. He was uh, found out. A scientist checked it out, and they, he was not not a real creature at all. Scientists found he's a fake, and uh, Eugene Shepard was run out of town. So that's a Hot Ag. You know what? Don't believe it. Forget Murder Bird. I think you should make a movie called Eugene and the Bear Wrestlers. 
versus the hot arg. Um, yeah. You need a bit of IMAX scene where, you know, they can't just hey, wad of chloroform down a hole. That's no battle scene. Yeah, the, I don't know why you need bear wrestlers to hold a stick. This kind of... <laughs> In case I'm running out. Eugene, excellent. A hot arg. Very specific to Wisconsin, obviously. Okay, so you think that we're going to come back to have part two of Legendary Creatures? I think we could. I want to know more about Zeus. We'll, we'll devote another section to that, I reckon. That's a bit of fun. We're going to run out of uh, real-life creatures, so let's go for a few mythical. Okay, my first question from uh, this segment of Wild Kingdom, Mythical Beast, is name the respected intellectual healing centaur that Mart's referred to as a nerd. What was the name of the well-respected intellectual centaur who dabbled in the art of healing? We hope you enjoyed... What? Kingdom! Okay, it's time for Pop Culture! Okay, so excited about this uh, section of the podcast today, Dan. Like, you know that I'm a huge wrestling fan, have been for ages. We used to, uh, me and my mates meet up on a Wednesday. In the old days, watch the uh, WWF in the in, in its heyday. You know, it was. I used to love it. Do you remember what the day it was on? Oh yeah, I remember Wednesday night, and I think Friday night as well. It started coming on, but I honestly, you know, we're doing the eighties and nineties, aren't we? Mid eighties to mid nineties. To me, I think it's unparalleled in in wrestling history. The annals of wrestling. It's just it's full of the best characters you know you had your wrestlemania for the first time come up i think wrestling went to a new level obviously we weren't watching back in the gorilla monsoon days but we got a taste of that through the commentary team and yeah it exploded wrestling it became mainstream and the characters and the wrestlers were just insane so big fan of that era yeah we were lucky to be part to watch that era grow and explode as we're going to talk about some of these guys more than athletes more than actors they're both yeah i think that's very harsh how people say oh it's fake so so is home and away but you watch that shit like so what these guys are absolute geniuses at what they do and they get hurt but yeah so what if it's fake like is that really what what that you watch isn't really (laughs) yeah and like duh as if you knew one believes it's freaking real. <laughs> yeah, you I'm don't just have gonna, to like, stand up there and go, oh, while this guy's up on the top belt, just walk towards him as he does a flying slam on me. Like, you just run out of the way, don't you? You don't stand in the middle of the ring while a guy flies 20 yeah, meters I'm gonna, down on you. I'm going to argue with the guy in the front row or the referee while the guy can recover and beat me over the head with the chair and win the belt's up for grabs. Yeah, we get it, people. We know it's not real. Get it, doesn't it matter. people. It's theatre, people. Okay. I'm ready to launch here now. After yeah, let's do it. Up. i got my number five here, and uh, I, I found this guy, true legend of, of the wrestling ring, right? His real name is Jim Helwig. He was six foot two and weighed in at 127 kilos. Born on April 2014. Started as a bodybuilder. Starting to be a chiropractor. Any idea, Dan? What, what was his name again? Helwig. Jim Helwig. Uh, is it Jim the Anvil Neidhart, maybe? Mm, good wrestler, I like your thinking, but no. I'm talking the ultimate warrior. Oh, my God. You're kidding me. That is my number five. He didn't even look up his first name, his real name. Okay, so you're in there. This guy 
was the Intercontinental Champion two times, the World Heavy Champion one time, and he wrestled in WrestleMania four years. He held both the belts, the Intercontinental and the Heavyweight Champion belt at the same time, the only guy to do that ever. He started off and he was called the Dingo Warrior, and that's a really weird thing for wow. Australians. The Dingo Warrior was his original name. And then he went to join the WWF, and they had these guys called the Road Warriors. Do you remember the Road Warriors? Yep, I remember them with their face. At- uh, yeah, kind of like Mad Maxi. I think it was Axe and Smash. Worried. Yeah, that was scary. Yeah. yeah, and they're pretty big and strong anyway. Vince McMahon, you know, the big boss of the thing, he's like, it's a bit confusing with you, the Dingo Warrior and the Axe, the Road Warrior. So he, they changed his name to the Ultimate Warrior, right? He used to have a huge rivalry with Rick Rude and Hercules yep. Hernandez. Remember Hercules Hernandez? Oh, Hercules Hernandez, strongest man, living man, wasn't he? He was he's really pasty guys huge yeah. and strong but he had the worst tan you've ever seen in your life he was like yeah pink and he had quite good like correct didn't he have greco-roman skills he was kind of good at the real hand-to-hand yeah. stuff he was a good wrestler Achilles Hernandez. anyway his big time big days was when he was versus hulk hogan he had huge fights and that's when he won the heavyweight belt when he was intercontinental champion and he fought Hulk and got the intercontinental belt as well and then got the heavyweight belt and the intercontinental belt. But he had to relinquish the intercontinental belt because you're not allowed to hold two belts at once apparently in the... uh... Just like all the wrestlers, I hold the intercontinental belt in high regard. Some of the best uh, fights were for the intercontinental belt. Yeah, I always thought the Ultimate Warrior, he kind of almost was like he was out from outer space or another planet. He was. I know he said he was from parts unknown. Hailing from parts unknown. You know, he had that comic book physique, neon attire, the face paint, the tassels. But the thing I liked about him best was his entrance into the ring. It was a full out, full speed run to the ring. And then he'd hammer those uh, ropes. But just, yeah, everyone else would walk to the ring. He'd just sprint and run in there. SummerSlam 88. Because, of course, this was my number five, so I've done a bit of research on him too. But he beat the honky-tonk man in 30 seconds for the Intercontinental belt at SummerSlam 88. Of course, his favorite move was the press slam. And I loved how he'd do that. He would destroy guys. He'd kill the bad guys, like Mr. Perfect, as you said, Rick Rude um, and honky-tonk man. The guys you just love to hate. He'd go in there and just wipe the floor with them. Top five, Ultimate Warrior. Yep. Okay, it's good that we're on the same five so far. Unfortunately, he uh, died, as many of these guys have. The three nights before he died, preceding his death, he, he got inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame one night, and then he wow. went to, triple, he went to WrestleMania 30, appeared in that, and the next night he was on Mon- Monday Night Raw, and then he died the next night after that. The old Ultimate Warrior was a wrestler to the end. RIP, to like many of these guys. Yeah, that's going to be a recurring theme, the whole uh, tragic death. But I guess he got his accolades and then said, well, done, I'm done. He was a bright flame while he burnt, the Ultimate Warrior. Yep, I'll give him that, that's for sure. Respect. Okay, that's number five. All right, are we ready, people, for number four? I don't know whether Dan will have this one on his list, but he was a big favourite of mine. His real name is John William Minton. He was a tag team champion, WDF tag team champion, and he won the uh, 1989 Royal Rumble. He was trained by Killer Kowalski. You heard of Killer Kowalski, Dan? Yeah, very famous wrestler, old time. Yeah, that's right. He, he went under the manager eventually of Classy 
Freddie Blassie. Freddie Blassie. Who kind of looked like a transvestite almost, if I recall. Yeah. He had like a really bad, shiny coat. <laughs> and uh, I like this bit. At one time when he was he was resting under his gimmick, would he'd, he'd bring a stretcher in with him uh, as his gimmick, and then he'd knock the person out, and then he'd provide the stretcher for his opponent. So he'd, <laughs> he'd bring a stretcher in. Okay. Any, any idea who I'm talking about? Well, white trunks, long white trunks, not just shorts, right to the ground. Huge guy, 6'10", 165 oh, kilos. Big John Stud. Big no. John Stud. Well yeah. Good. Anyway, Big John Stud, he, he, he challenged the whole wrestling world to slam him. He said, I'm unslammable. You know, I, I'm going to give you $10,000 if you can slam me. And so he he did it and uh, he got slammed several times people tried to slam him and it did distract him to distract them enough you know that he'd actually beat them you know because they'd try to slam him and <laughs> too uh, early yeah and mr fuji would grab their leg or something and then he'd whack them and he'd win but it, it went on for a long time before he got slammed eventually he got totally slammed by Andre the Giant. We had a real rivalry. He had a hell rivalry with Andre the Giant. He had a huge fight, and and the ring actually collapsed after he Andre slammed him. The ring collapsed, but on, but Big Johnson denied he ever got slammed for that, and he ended up going going to uh, to another whole camp with uh, Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan like recruited him. Bobby the brain. And Bobby the brain. Bobby the, Bobby the brain, and he joined up. With King Kong Bundy, of course, and they were like a formidable tag team champion, and that's when he won his tag team championship with with King Kong Bundy. He went on having a successful career. Eventually, he had some celebrity matches where he fought NFL guys like the Refrigerator guy and and other 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 guys who weren't real wrestlers anyway. And Big John Studd treated them with total disrespect, and he'd uh, he'd smash them. He'd totally defeated them every time because he, he didn't like the idea that uh, that these guys weren't real wrestlers and they think they could just come in. So being John stuck himself, he punished them totally. Anyway, he, he kind of quit for a while, and he came back as actually a good guy because Andre the Giant was a bad guy, and he, he actually gave up after that. Like, he fought Andre the Giant a few times, and so Andre was a bad guy. He's a good guy. And then he eventually became a referee. Can you remember that, when, when Big John was a referee? Yeah. Andre the Giant versus Jake the Snake, and he disqualified Andre the Giant for cheating. Big John said was actually a uh, a referee for that. That's what I got for Big John Stud. He's my number four. Yeah, I just remember him and Bundy as being a formidable team, like you said. They were a, a massive ticket puller at uh, WrestleManias, often those two, with uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. They were the personification of evil, that threesome. Good choice, bro. All right, I'm moving on to number three now. This guy was a big favorite of mine, and this is why I put him in as my number three. First name, Don. Six foot three, 191 centimeters. He was huge. His name was, mid nickname was The Rock. Do you know who you're talking about? Don The Rock Morocco. The Magnificent Morocco. That's correct. Two times WWF Intercontinental Champion. Two times King of the Ring. In 1981, he beat Pedro Morales for the Intercontinental. <laughs> Pedro Morales. I didn't like Pedro Morales. He defeated him. In 83, he defeated Superfly. Jimmy Snooker. Yeah, and he was uh, a full champion. Got to love uh, Don the Rock Morocco. Then she worked for Mr. Fuji, and he fought Hulk Hogan, and he won the King of the Ring against Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheik. And at one point, 
he actually uh, got Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's belt off him, his uh, intercontinental belt, and hung him in the ring by it. Like uh, at one point, choked him to death with not to death, but to unconsciousness. Yeah. I think that The Rock was a, a magnificent technical wrestler. He had all the moves. People couldn't get close to him. You know, he's strong and huge, but he was a, a really good wrestler. He's he used to have the finishing move, which was, jeez, uh, what was that? He used to... Full Nelson, or it was something classic like that, wasn't it? Full Nelson, or it was a classic wrestling move, I remember. What was the one Stan used to do on you? That was the... Uh... Austin Crab. Yeah, maybe. Camel Clutch. Camel Clutch? Or Camel Boston Clutch. Crab? Get back to us on people. What was Magnificent Morocco's finishing move? Yeah, I know he was good at it, whatever it was, though. Wasn't either of those. I know Iron Sheik is Camel Clutch. Boston Crab, I'm not sure about, but yep, check on that. Okay, Magnificent Morocco. So he's not in your one either. No, no, a lot of respect for that guy though. Okay, so we're going on to number two now, right? My second best. Yeah, one of the greatest who ever lived. Real name Randy Poffo. And he was a, his dad was a, uh, a Ripley's, believe it or not, for doing ridiculous amounts of um, sit-ups, right? No, I didn't hear that. That's amazing. But he, yeah. I mean, he had his own wrestling fraternity and he was a professional wrestler himself. Okay, so we are talking about Randy Macho Man Savage. Fantastic wrestler. 6'2", 108 kilograms. His catch cry used to be, oh, yeah. Best interviews they used to ever have. He was actually a pro baseball player. Played for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's real life in real life, Miss Elizabeth. Because remember, she was their manager and she'd come out. Beautiful looking woman. He had two world heavyweight championships. One intercontinental champion. 1997 King of the Ring. He headlined main events continually like for five years at WrestleMania. Four, five eight, and four Summer Slams. In WrestleMania three, versing Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, it was one of the greatest matches people have ever said, have ever seen, like the choreography. And here I am, people admitting it's fake. The way they planned it, the way they fought each other, you know, the, the flying moves is just amazing. You know, it's a work of art. goes down as one of the, the best matches ever. Well, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus the Macho Man, WrestleMania three. Check it out, people. He was a really good champion. He went on and did movie roles and TV roles. His uh, most famous movie role, Spider-Man's just got his powers and he decides he wants to make some money, so he goes and fights in the wrestling ring. And he fights Bonesaw McGraw. And that is Randy Macho Man Savage. Well, that's interesting because he's my number one, Randy Macho Man Savage, in my top five. And interesting because I wonder if that's purposely in Spider-Man because he was first called the Spider when he wrestled. He had really? a cheesy Spider-Man outfit, and he was called the Spider. His trainer, because his name was Poffo, uh, said, you can't be called Poffo when you wrestle like a savage. So that's where the savage came in. And then his mum was reading Reader's Digest, and she read that the next hot term was going to be Macho Man. So she suggested Macho Man, Randy Macho Man Savage. Uh, and, of course, his brother... Leaping Lanny Poffo was never never really reached the heights of uh, Randy, but a good wrestler in, in his own right. And hats off to a lot of those guys who lost because it's hard to lose a wrestling match. You've got to have just as much, if not more, skill than the winner. You know, hats off to the Shadows and 
Leaping Lanny Poffo. Leaping Lanny Poffo wasn't a bad wrestler, actually. He, he won a few few wrestles. He's the poet laureate of the WWF. He used to get up and do a little poem for his about. Sometimes he yeah, just gets squashed into the corner and that'll be the end of it. But he, Leaping <laughs> Lanny, Leaping Lanny had good skills. I, I wonder, and I don't know how you can find out, but I wonder whether Randy and Lanny ever wrestled together. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Whether yeah. The, the Macho Man and the Poet Laureate. They must have, surely. But I can imagine dinner at the table, like, oh, Lanny, you've read some good poetry this week. Yeah, and Randy's just won his 11th title. Oh, yeah. 29 championships with 29 reigns, 11 titles, 32-year career. Yeah, absolute legend. Do you know the thing about Randy Savage, I think? Um, him and Hulk, there was a big story there. You must remember this. They teamed up, and Elizabeth was the, the the manager of both he and Hulk, the Hulkster. And there was this talk that she was falling for the Hulkster. So then it all spilled over, and Hulk and Randy fought, and they had a famous fight in WrestleMania Five, which is a classic bout as well. Yeah, there was all that that three way sort of uh, love triangle that made it just fascinating eighties viewing. And in real life, he and Elizabeth broke up uh, at some stage, and tragically, yeah. tragically. Uh, had a car crash in 2011 where he and his wife, not Elizabeth, but his next wife, uh, were killed. Elizabeth died of drugs in 2003. So another tragic story. But Randy, Macho Man Savage, his flying turnbuckle you know, elbows, he used to get the bell and, and fly off the top rope. And uh, I think poor old Ricky Dragon might have copped one in the neck, the actual bell. Just a massive aerialist, wasn't he? Yeah, he was such a great athlete. And uh, I was watching some of his stuff, and I couldn't forget he used to wear these bright pink trunks with stars, like three stars right on the front of it. You know, he had quite amazing outfit when he came into the ring, but he'd stripped down basically to this uh, these little trunks with three stars yeah. on there. And-, and I think he was inspired a bit by Jesse the Body Ventura. You know, he was really flamboyant as well, and he became a commentator, and Jesse had a bit of a soft spot, I think, for Randy. I think they were quite similar in a, in a way, but yeah, gave up baseball and became one of the best of all time, no doubt. Definitely one of the best. Well done, Macho Man. So up to my number one, right? Yeah. It's probably no surprises here because we've already uh, said how much respect I have for this guy. Real name, Christopher Allen Pallies, New Jersey, six foot four, which is 193 centimetres, 460 pounds, 210 kilos. We're talking King Kong Bundy. Now, this guy, like, you know how we are talking about scary things? This guy used to actually scare me a little bit. It's because of his black leotard and his weird kind of flabby cottage cheese thighs. Uh, I, I was a bit freaked out by him, Dan. He kind of looked like a giant baby, but just with a hideous face, like really angry. And, yeah, just this kind of weirdly, I don't know, schoolgirly kind of <laughs> black leotard. Yeah. Yeah, the, the big white thighs and the, just the nondescript black boots and a cape every now and then yeah. just to really over the edge. Really little weird cape. That's right. I used to run that sometimes and, and it was an unattractive outfit. He was a fierce man. I had no mercy at all. He, he demanded a five count, you know, so he, he would slam people so bad. Normally, 
in wrestling they kick out, you know, before the third count or whatever and get up again. But but uh, they they'd be so whacked out that uh, the Bundy would demand the five count and say no, count it two more, and the umpire would be like, all right, one. <laughs> Four, five. You won. No, no, five. Five. Anyway, (laughs) he uh, had the record in the WWF for a nine-second defeat of SD Jones. Special delivery. Special delivery, Jones. In fact, it was 17 seconds, but, you know, like King Kong was uh, quite happy. No, nine. (laughs) Nine. Nine. Quite happy to talk it up. We, we want to do uh, a whole thing on King Kong Bundy because Dan and I both love him. So I'm not going to go right into too much more than that. But, we, yeah, he holds a special place in our heart, doesn't he, Dan? Yeah. And he was my number three. So there you go. King Kong Bundy. Yeah. Formidable. Formidable. He's actually a um, stand-up comedian. Probably didn't get a lot of hecklers. Probably didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> you son, Bundy. Yeah, he was probably terrible, but no one had the balls to tell him. You suck, Bunny. My mother. Just come flying and down with the elbow. The avalanche was his favourite move. Yeah. I remember that special delivery Jones um, nine-second victory, and it was held for three decades. In 85, he did that. Brock yeah. Jones, I don't think they even had his uh, jacket off. <laughs> but he just avalanched him into the corner, and it was all over. It's like... <laughs> Special delivery, and he was no small fry. He had a few wins. Special delivery, Jones. No, he wasn't total loser. That's a very good top five there, bro, for your uh, Mount Rushmore. As I said, I'm, I had Randy Macho Man Savage at one. My five was the Ultimate Warrior. So four, you know, I'm a bit cheesier than you. I was a bit younger than you. So my number four was Terry Eugene Bollea. Terry Eugene Bollea started out as a villain, but headlined the first nine WrestleManias was the headline. WWF champ five times. His first was the second longest reign in history. 2005 Hall of Famer. Also was into baseball. He was pretty good. And a guitarist in a band called Ruckus. He was in Florida playing music when the Briscoe brothers sort of noticed him. And he got a little bit of a start, then went back to music. Then Brutus the Barber Beefcake came along. This guy's idol was always Billy Graham. He finally got his idol, Billy Graham, and Brutus got him into wrestling properly. Uh, And he was famous for tearing his shirt off, yellow and red. Hulkamania. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. He was Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Do you remember that? He was a villain called Hollywood Hulk Hogan when he started out. Now, I know a lot of people are going to go, not Hulk, but you can't deny the guy's pulling power in the in the ring. He was he was got a bit tired towards the end, but he was amazing. And as a kid, I just you know, I've got him number four, but you know, a lot of people would have him as their number one all time wrestler. He just used to get his ass kicked and then he'd just, you know, he'd start shaking his head, no. No, and they'd be doing their special move on him and he'd just ignore it and get fired up and he'd draw on the Hulkamania from the fans and he'd just do the big, uh, throw them off the ropes, the Irish whip, and then put the old foot up to the head and then off the ropes he'd go with a big thigh drop, three count. It didn't seem like that devastating a finishing move actually, but it would always be a complete knockout for the opposition. So Hulkster... You make my top four. I think his name Hulk came because he was sitting next to Lou Ferengo being interviewed one time on some show and realized he was bigger. So he thought, hang on, hang on a minute. You're called the Hulk, but I'm bigger than you. So he stole that name, that um, moniker of um, Lou Ferengo. What do you reckon, bro? Hulkamania. 
know you're not a big fan, but no, I, I, I can't take it away from you. He he also like played a part in in all the best WrestleManias and against the best guys. Him versus Andre the Giant. Him versus Macho Man. His Morocco King Kong Bundy. You know, like the Hog matches were just A grade. He he was A one headlining act. 20 years and uh yeah like you say he took a beating and a beating and a beating and he, and he was down and they're pinning him and they're laughing and then suddenly that hand would come up and like do the little finger shake and yeah he'd just kick out boom and then like you say boot to the face drop bam yeah the tide had turned and do you remember paul orndorff yeah that when he double crossed him and he was holding Hulk's arm up, and then he just clotheslined him, short clothesline, and just went to town on him. I think Andre and Bundy came out. Yeah. Well, and they all just crucified Hogan. He got really dirtied yeah. by Mr. Wonderful. Paul Orndorff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why he just turned heel on that. Just yeah. joined up with uh, Bobby the Brain. Bobby the Brain must have got into him. And uh... Well, speaking of getting into people, number three was Bundy. My number two is... And number one, of course, was Randy Macho Man Savage. So this is my last one. Number two for me, can't believe you didn't mention him, but you did actually mention him in passing. But he was a psychological uh, sort of a wrestler. He'd get into your head. You mentioned he wrestled Andre the Giant. That's, that's a bit of a mismatch on paper. He wrestled from 86 to 92 and then again from 95 to 97 and invented possibly the coolest or was voted, actually, the coolest finishing move of all time by the WWE. Do you know who I'm talking about, bro? Pretty yeah. movie. Did he used to bring a snake into the ring? He had a snake called uh, Damien, uh, which was a Burmese python. And then he also had a reticulated python called Lucifer. He had a few pythons over the journey. And of course, I'm talking about Jake, Jake the, the Snake Roberts. Jake the Snake Roberts. Fantastic, fantastic wrestler, like technical wrestler. He wasn't the biggest guy. What did he weigh in at? Have you got the, got the KGs there? No, I didn't go in on the uh, size of these guys. He kind of looks like a dodgy trucker, long hair, weaselly, not exactly, yeah, not very fit. He got his name from being an untrustworthy person and also because he liked um, Dan Stabler from the Oakland Raiders, a quarterback that was called Dan the Snake, I think, Stabler. So he liked that and he was a bit of a snake in real life. He looks like your dodgy uncle that you just don't trust. He'd, yeah. he'd, bring, he'd slid into the ring with a bag and a snake in it, a bit like your stretcher. He'd just bring that snake with so much confidence that he was going to win and he'd knock him out with a DDT, which is a move where you put the head behind behind your arm and slap the back and whack. And it was an awesome move and it really everyone was very excited by his finishing move. And, he, yeah, he took on a lot of big names and did really well. And a lot of, of really good wrestlers rate him as one of the technically the best wrestlers and a great showman, a really good showman in the ring. People loved wrestling against him. Yeah, that's a really good call. Jake the Snake, was, he was like, I'm, I reckon he was, he wasn't weighing like anywhere near what the other guys were, but he, he was a really good technical wrestler. Can't imagine him doing the DDT on Andre the Giant. It nearly ended in tragedy for Jake the Snake. He, he had alcohol abuse problems, drug abuse problems, but he moved in with uh, Diamond Dallas Page, who helped him sort his life out, which is great. And now he does tours and stuff. He's actually on track. So hats off to Jake the Snake, a true survivor. As far as, yeah, all those wrestlers we named, that's what made that era so amazing. I lost interest in wrestling after that. I, I did like Mankind, special mention to him. He, he took wrestling to a new level of hurting yourself, but it all got a bit, I'd turn on and they'd, they'd just be talking. 
second the whole time. Like I used to like me and Gene Oakland's interviews. They were funny. But then wrestling became all about talking. People like John Cena just annoyed me. Like he'd miss punches by a good half a meter and really make it look bad. That era for me was gold. Special mentions, bro. You didn't do any special mentions. I mentioned oh, yeah. the body. I'm sure you have. My last one would be uh, a shout-out. You've mentioned him already, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He was a true aerialist, and I loved watching him too. All right, so my special mentions are at the other end of the scale. These guys are the ones who put up with the beatings, and uh, I'd like to put out for them, you know, we could do a whole episode on these guys. First guy I got up, you've already mentioned, and this guy was actually Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man. I mean, he yeah. had a lame Elvis-type persona it was not a very good wrestler he wasn't even that big i don't even know how but you know he held the intercontinental belt for 454 days for shame that's all i can say to that for shame yeah the honky tonk man you like seeing him getting a beating that was uh, it was always good fun okay i want to put out these other guys see if you remember them joe Murto. he is no. Big, big fat guy. He didn't do it at all well. Mario Mancini. Mario Mancini is, uh, I think, he's my number one loser. He was brilliant. I, I reckon he must have slipped out the back and put on the mask and become the shadows and got his ass kicked again in the tag team. He was just a classic. He was kind of Italian, bit hairy, flabby, nothing happening. No, <laughs> nothing happening. It, it was like the, the janitor that they said, oh, we really need you to come out. <laughs> And get body slammed about 50 times. He was literally like a uh, bag just to practice on. No, nah, never got hit in once, I don't think. <laughs> but, he, uh, but good on him because uh, he made other guys look good. Um, and then, of course, you remember Barry. Oh! oh yeah, and he had yeah, quite a good yeah. good starting move with his yeah his arms above his head, making a figure O when soon he'd just be busted in half. Barry O. I think he might have been the only loser to have his own little thing like that. Like none of them dared show off like that. They just went in there and copped their beating and left. But Barry O sort of hammed it up like he was good. Yeah, I like. I wonder if Barry O ever won a fight. I have to look that up. There's one guy who freaked me out. He creeped me out. Who I didn't like. Adrian Adonis. Do you remember him? He, he's a big fat guy and had a really unattractive physique. Not even even for a fat guy, he was kind of like slappy and slobby, and he was, he dressed up with a woman with makeup, and he was just like, oh, he's yes, he used to actually win a few fights, which was a yeah, he wasn't a total yeah, not a big fan of Adrian Adonis. One of my <laughs> last guy I got to mention, I used to actually love this guy, and he's from Canada. I don't know if you recall, can you remember Canadian wrestler? He used to wear a, a cast on one arm. He'd fight, fight, yeah, and then he'd swing it for some reason. They had like a metal bar on one end. And he'd, Iron Mike Sharp he used to take a beating. Oh, make the best sounds, you know, when you oh, ah, this crazy whining sound, and then and he'd get flogged, flogged, flogged. Then then he, when he's down in the corner, he'd swing this uh, cast around for some reason, and then he'd come down and conk the hell out of someone with his iron bar and. Generally sneaking a victory for some against some low life, but yeah, they're they're my uh, the bottom of my Mount Rushmore. I, I reckon they're just as important the top. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, exactly right. Can't have winners without losers, and there are some mighty fine losers. As you say, I don't think they even let them get a punch in a lot of those guys. They never even got a legitimate hit, let alone a win. No, but I do. I just imagine them in the in the ring the the week before and just saying, "I'm going to swing you here, you're going to swing you there, I'm going to beat you, beat." And the poor guys, yeah, right, Alan. All right, let's just practice this. Wow, wow, wow. 
And you reckon Barry O might have gone, oh, how about I just, no, Barry, no, you're not, you're not doing that. <laughs> you can try to do one hit and I'm going to block it and then whack you. Yeah, and then I'll throw you out onto the table. Yeah, that was just gone. How's your day? Day, Barry, how'd you go at work today, love? Oh, I, had a really... <laughs> <laughs> I nearly got a hit in. Yeah, Big John Stud really fixed me up today. <laughs> okay, people, okay. let us know your best wrestlers. We're interested in all that stuff. And this won't be our last wrestling segment. Don't you worry about it because we're, we're right into that stuff. Thanks very much for listening. To the Fat with Dan and Matt at gmail.com. It's quiz time. Okay, get excited, everyone, because it's a favorite part of the podcast for everyone I know. The Know Your Bro quiz. This time we're doing a special special Know Your Bro, which is going to be just twins. These first twins, are you ready, Dan? Yeah. They uh, worked at the east end of London in the 1950s in it business called The Firm. They were gangsters and nightclub owners. They had people such as Frank Sinatra and Julie Garland visiting their nightclub. They were kind of famous. They were eventually arrested by Detective Nipper Reed in 1968, and they went to jail for life. They were murderers and gangsters. They are kind of bad. Yeah, I think I might know. I think I saw a movie uh, with one of my favorite actors playing both characters. Tom Hardy, the Crays, the Cray brothers. That must be them. The Cray twins, Ronnie and Reggie Cray. Well done. That's a good word. Ron died of a heart attack and uh, in jail when he, he got wheeled out of there. They let Reggie out of jail, but he died five years ago. Is it late. Reggie or Reggie? Reggie, yeah, Reggie. I don't think anyone's called Reggie, are they? <laughs> Not really. You've been looking up your um, Roman and Greek mythology, so we'll see how you go here, right? Okay. These were twin half-brothers in Roman Greek mythology. Their mum was Leda, and the first guy's dad was Tydarius, the king of Sparta, and the second guy's dad was Zeus, and Zeus seduced Leda when he was a swan. So he, he did, pretended to be a swan, and somehow he tricked Leda, the mum, into having sex. I don't know why she wouldn't have sex with a swan, but anyway, that's what Zeus dressed up as a swan, and... Sex. Somehow they had twins. Even apparently it's called heteropaternal superfecundation. Superpaternal fecundation. And these guys ended up being Gemini. Any idea what that means? Um. Well, firstly, Zeus is a bit of a trickster, isn't he? Like, you know, he makes people clouds and loves playing little sex games. Naughty Zeus. Uh, I don't know. I, all I can think of is Romulus and Remus. They, but I think they were the start of uh, Romans. No, it's uh, not those guys. No, no. No. This is Castor and Pollux. Oh, I never would have got that. No. Never heard of them. Yeah, okay. They are uh, pretty rare, but like uh, I just thought it was interesting that uh, you pretend to be a swan and a woman said, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. I'll have sex with you. But yeah, Zeus obviously used the whole I'm king to his advantage and did what a lot what he wanted to do, really, didn't he? Most mm. people would get bashed. Badly for that, but he got away with it. You know, so, so you know the Gemini twins in the, the star, yeah, star signs. That's actually yeah. cast on Pollux. Those, that's where they come from. Those two. Okay. What star sign are you? I'm Pisces. Pisces, right? The fish. Interestingly, one of my questions is to do with a star sign as well. There you go. Ooh. 
great art, bro. Damn, maybe we were astrology going on here. All right, these next guys were in, a, in an Australian band. They had a brother called Barry, the two twins. They mm-hmm. won nine Grammys, five American Music Awards, and they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do you know who they are? Yeah, initially I was thinking the Finns, but they're New Zealanders. Um, it must be the BGs and it must be the Gibb brothers. Gibb brothers. What's their names? Uh, well, you said Barry Gibb, didn't you? Yeah, he was the non-twin, yeah. Damn it. Um, I'm going to go with Derek and Gary Gibb. <laughs> Robin and Morris. Um, Morris. Uh, you know what? This is disgraceful. I, sh- one of my friends is Morris Gibb on the Vegas Strip. He he does the BG show. Wayne, shout out to Wayne Hoskin. Uh, that's yeah. I've gone and seen him and been yeah. That's I should have known that. Sorry, but yeah, Gibb, Gibb brothers. Yeah, Morris died of a heart attack in two thousand three. Other guys are still kicking along. Okay, so I'm going to give you that one. So you got two out of three so far. Okay, these twins mother was called Magda and she ran off from her evil husband to Mount Wondergore to give birth to her twins. Then she ran off again and died of exposure, as you do. She left the kids in the care of Bova, who was like a half-cow woman. They grew up and developed their mutant powers. Eventually, they were recruited by Magneto, who was actually their father. Who are these twins? Well, I know one of them's a red witch. Or Scarlet Witch. Yeah, you're a Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. And the guy can appear and disappear. Crikey, I don't know his name. I always found him a bit lame. I don't know. I, I know one half of the twins. No, I'm not sure that okay. the name. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the Red Witch, Scarlet Witch, who's called Wanda Maximoff. And the brother is Pietro Maximoff. He's, he's super fast. Okay, these last ones. These twins are from Alba Longa. They're sons of a former king. Their uncle took over after over the throne after the king died, and he saw them as a threat and ordered them to be chucked into the river to die. They actually survived and were brought up by a she-wolf. They came back and became the leaders of the city, but they argued about where to build the city which was called Rome, and then one of them killed the other one. What are their names? Oh, maybe I, I jumped the gun with my answer earlier. Is it mm. Romulus and Remus? <laughs> yes. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, Romulus and Remus. These are the most famous twins in history, really. Yeah, so Romulus killed Remus, and he said, Romulus, Rome. What should I call the city? Ah, Rome. I'm going to call it Rome. That's why Rome's called Rome, because Romulus killed his brother right there. A lot of blood in the streets of Rome, isn't there? Yeah, that's just the beginning. Exactly. Good one, bro. I enjoyed that quiz. I did quite well. For a you time. did really well. I think you only got one wrong, and that was really hard. Yeah, one and a half wrong, I think, we'd have to say. My turn. Have you been paying attention? This one is uh, three questions from three different segments. So, as I said, my first question, name the peaceful centaur. Name the peaceful centaur that I mentioned in Wild Kingdom, the Sagittarius with the centaur. You called him a nerd. Um, he was the peaceful centaur, not the womanizing, drinking, chaotic one. He was a healer. Any ideas, bro? I think it was Arach- mm, Yes, you're thinking of Ixius, who was the guy that tried to bung it on with uh, Hera. No, Chiron. 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 He's oh, got a nerdy man. name, even. 
Exactly. I think he wore healing stones and burnt a lot of uh, natural herbs. And Come on, Kyron. We're going to go and going to go and rape some women in the village. No, I must stay here. He play, plays bongo drums. So no go there, bro. You might have more luck on this one. This is from Pop Culture. Uh, what was the time of King Kong Bundy's quickest ever win? Three decades he held the record. I hear pages turning. <laughs> I wonder if you're talking about what King Kong Bundy actually says it was or what it really was. No, what he said it was. Nine it, seconds. Yeah, correct. He officially, it, I think it was, he, he must have just threatened everyone to make it official for three decades. It stood as nine seconds. Yeah, well, you would well, go up to him and go, hey, you're wrong, Bundy. It wasn't that much. You know, you had to cop a fat yeah. elbow right to the face, aren't you, for that? Yeah, he made his own rules. Walked his own road, King Kong Bundy. Hey, do you know that nearly every one of those wrestlers we talked about is dead? Yeah, it's a bit sad, isn't it? I think drugs may have been prolific in the 80s and 90s in wrestling. That's right. Live bright, die young. Yeah. Question three. What novel did we read on the trip north? I'm hoping that the viewers are, or listeners sorry, are, are playing along. How are you going so far? What novel did we read on the trip north? To Exmouth that I mentioned, we met. We read a few. I think we read Jaws one time. But what was the book that I mentioned us reading? I think it was in episode one. I think it's called The Howling. Correct, bro. Two out of three ain't bad. There you go. That's a pass. Oh god. Ah! That was quiz time. All right, that brings us to the end of another podcast, number four. Thanks for your support, everyone. Can you believe we've come that far? Four episodes. <laughs> the people keep demanding we come back and do more and more. It's crazy. Yeah, no feedback. But we'll just keep pumping along. Uh, we're, we're pushing towards 10. We, we want to do a special eight, celebrating one of our favorite animals. And, yeah, we're looking to do 10. But give us feedback. Help us along. Chew the fat with Dan and Matt at gmail.com. Chew, 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 chew the fat with Dan and Matt. So we'll see you next time on Chew the Fat with Dan and Matt. We can send you, I told you. Help me in vibrations of the universe inside of me. Help me beat the shit out of